The Real Religion of Peace, John 1, 1 1-2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the Son of God, and is part of the triune God, which consists of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We hold this as part of our doctrine. God is not the same as what the Muslims refer to as Allah. Our God is the true three-in-one mighty creator God. Their God is based on what Muhammad supposedly taught thousands of years ago. Philippians 2, 5-8 says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Notice some of the descriptions of Jesus in this passage we just read. Made himself of no reputation. Muhammad was all about self-promotion, and making himself appear great and powerful to men and his followers. Notice another description of Jesus. He humbled himself. Humbleness is not an attribute one would ever associate with Muhammad. So in our previous studies, we have briefly examined the early history of Islam, the origin and importance of the Quran to Muslims, the faith, practice, and tenets of Islam, and whether or not Islam could be considered a religion of peace. Now in this final study, we will contrast what Islam teaches versus what Christians believe. What might they have in common, and where do they fundamentally differ from each other, and we will demonstrate and show how Christianity is the true religion of peace. We also look at how Christians should prepare themselves to reach Muslims with the gospel, and maybe what approach we ought to use in our witnessing efforts to them. First off, comparing and contrasting Christianity with Islam. God. Islam teaches there is one God, Quran 364. Islam also rejects the concept of the Trinity. Christianity teaches there is one God, 1 Corinthians 8, 6, but to us there is but one God. Christianity also teaches that the Godhead is composed of three distinct parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one distinct in essence and substance, but each one also one in essence and substance. They are the three-in-one triune God. We have John 1, 1 1-5, Philippians 2, 5-8, 2 John 9, and Matthew 28, 19. Now next, let's look at Jesus. How one thinks about Jesus is closely related to how one thinks about God. In Islam, they consider Jesus as a prophet like Noah, Abraham, Moses, and Muhammad. They reject the divinity of Jesus and deny his pre-existence, Quran 4, 171. They do believe, however, in the virgin birth of Jesus. They do not believe he died on the cross and was resurrected the third day, Quran 4, 157. Christianity declares that Jesus is the Son of God, Matthew 16, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Christianity teaches the pre-existence of Christ. We find that in John chapter 1, 1 to 5, and Colossians 1, 16 to 17. Christianity also proclaims that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and was raised the third day from the dead. Next thing we're going to compare and contrast is salvation. What one thinks about Jesus Christ will certainly affect what one thinks about salvation. Islam. Salvation comes by works, personal goodness, and is weighted against personal sin, and whichever is greater determines salvation. We find that in Quran 23, 101 to 103. 
A Muslim can be forgiven by repenting of sin through an intermediary angel. We find that in Quran 39, 53-54. The only sure way to paradise, quote-unquote, for a Muslim is to die a martyr for Islam. Now contrast that with Christianity. There is so much more hope in the Christian faith. Salvation is not based on what bad we do versus what, what good we do. It is solely based on what Jesus did for us. Our salvation is by faith through grace. Ephesians 2, 8-9 For by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then we have also found reference to that in Titus 3, 4-7. Jesus died on the cross as the atonement for our sins. We do not have to try to atone for our own sins. Romans 3, 23-26 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. In Christianity, Jesus is a source of eternal and secure salvation for those that obey him by believing on him through faith and call on him to be their savior. Hebrews 5, 9, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. To become a Christian, one must understand you are a sinner. You need to just simply believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You need to understand that the wages of sin is death. Repent of your sins, turn to Jesus, and confess your faith in him as your Savior. John 3.16, John 8.24, Romans 3.23, 6.23, then Romans 10.9-13. So now next, let's compare and contrast eternal judgment. Muslims believe in a resurrection of the dead and judgment at the last day. They believe in paradise for the faithful served by beautiful virgins. Quran 56, 1-38. And e- eternal torment in hell for unbelievers. Quran 56, 39-56. Christians believe in a resurrection of the dead and judgment at the last day. An eternal heaven for all those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Revelation 21, 1-7. Revelation 21, 9-27. Revelation 22, 1-5 and a lake of fire with eternal torment for the unbelieving and wicked. We find that reference in Revelation 20.15 and 21.8. Now let's compare and contrast the Word of God. Islam, they believe in four inspired books. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Zabur, the Psalms, Injil, the Gospels, and the Quran. They believe the first three were corrupted, however, and only the Quran is the pure and final authority of the word of Allah. Christianity believes the Old and New Testament to be the complete and preserved word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Christianity believes that God's word cannot be corrupted, that he is able to keep the entirety of his word pure and not just part of it. 1 Peter 1 24 25 for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away but the word of god the word of the lord excuse me endureth forever 
And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you, Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Isaiah 48. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Muslims believe in a God that cannot keep his own word pure, while Christians believe in a God that is quite capable and powerful enough to keep the entirety of his word pure and preserved for all eternity. Now let's compare and contrast prayer, fasting, and worship. Islam has set times for prayers, five times per day. Islam has set times for fasting and places much emphasis on ceremonial rituals such as washing and your posture in prayer. Christianity calls for fervent prayer with no mandated times or frequency. Christianity calls for fasting as the need arises and is left up to the individuals leading by God to do so. Christianity places emphasis on the spiritual aspect of worship and not the ceremonial. Christianity also in prayer you're able to approach God at any time, day or night. You can be in constant prayer with God, whereas Islam dictates five times per day. So now let's compare and contrast vengeance, violence, and war. Islam allows for war and vengeance. Islam allows for self-defense against persecution. Islam also allows for war and violence in promoting the faith against unbelievers and idolaters. Christianity, on the other hand, forbids war and vengeance for the persecution's sake. It forbids the use of violence and war to promote the cause of Christ and the gospel. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Marriage. Now let's compare and contrast what Islam and Christianity teach about marriage. Islam allows up to four wives, and the man may divorce and remarry them twice. That's in Quran 2, 2.29. Christianity teaches one wife for one lifetime, with the exception of divorce and remarriage allowed specifically in cases of fornication. Matthew 5.32 But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Another cross-reference for that is Matthew 19.9. Now let's compare and contrast the treatment of women. In Islam, men have more rights than women. Women cannot attend public prayer at the mosque, and a husband may punish a wife by beating her if necessary. In Christianity, men and women are joint heirs of the grace of life. 1 Peter 3.7, Galatians 3.28-29. Women are not to have leadership roles in the church. 1 Corinthians 11, 3, 14, 34 to 37. 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 12. Husbands are to treat their wife with tenderness, respect, and understanding. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 to 5, and 1 Peter 3, 7. Now note, when considering the preceding comparisons, one must keep in mind that not all Muslims would agree with all that what was represented in this lesson about Islam, and that not all the claims to be Christians would agree with all that was taught about Christianity. These are just general comparing and contrasting. Next section is witnessing to Muslims. Reaching out to Muslims. When reaching out to minister and witness to Muslims, the Christian needs to be as dedicated to our God as they are to their little g God, Muhammad. If we are not, our presentation and witness will not be very effective. We need to demonstrate and show our God, Big G, is worth living for and witnessing for by our life example. 
because a lot of Muslims are extremely dedicated and sincere in their belief, they will sense insincerity in the Christian's witness. We cannot only talk the talk to a Muslim, but we must also walk the walk in endeavoring to reach them for Christ. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And 1 John 2.6 He that saith he abide in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. We need to have the right attitude. We need to have the right attitude when trying to reach the lost for Christ. The gospel of Christ is more likely to be taken seriously when it is represented by those in possession of the true spirit and attitude of Christ. Paul lists some Christ-like attitudes we should have in 2 Timothy 2, 24-26. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. We must not quarrel. We must try to stay out of arguments with them. And we are to be gentle in our approach. We are to be patient and try to teach Christ to them. We must go to them in, in a humble and gentle spirit. So the right approach. We must define the core issue with them. One of the crucial differences of Christianity and Islam is the authority and reliability of our sacred writings. The Christian faith is based on the testimony of the apostles and the first-generation Christians. All we know and believe about Jesus is based on their word. Their testimony is found in the pages of the New Testament. The Muslim faith is based on the testimony of the Rahistan, the rightly guided caliphs, and the first generation of Muslims. All Muslims know and believe about Muhammad is based on their word. Now our task in sharing the gospel to Muslims would be to establish which of these two groups of people are more credible to believe. Could any, any of the people in these groups had motives to lie about what they said for personal gain? Will they have had a reason to say either Jesus or Muhammad said something in order to advance their group or cause for material gain? Now compare the life and deaths of first-generation Christians with the first-generation Muslims to get your answer. There is simply no ulterior motive one can logically come up with on behalf of the early Christians for their willingness to die for their faith in Christ. They received no power, they received no fame, they received no money for their testimony. This fact and conclusion gives considerable weight to their testimony and writings to be true. The early Muslims, however, spread their religion with the aid of a sword. They in turn gained great power, they gained great wealth, they gained great worldly influence and fame in the process. This puts their real motives for what they said and taught in question and dramatically weakens their testimony and the credibility of the Quran. So which group seems to be more credible and logical to believe in? The apostles and early Christians with what they taught or the Rashadan and the early Muslims in what they taught? The Word of God has a power to affect faith in the person who is reading it. The challenge is to get the Muslim to be willing to read it and receive teaching from it. So the Christian needs to uphold the credibility of the Bible and to do so by a logical and understandable argument, which we just went over, to place doubt in the mind of the Muslim as to the testimony and credibility of the Quran. Point out further differences you can find in the Quran. For example, as each successive quote-unquote revelation was added to by Muhammad, they seem to contradict the previous ones. The Bible, on the other hand, does not contradict itself at all, if properly studied, 
and if the passage are considered in their context, in the greater context of the Bible as the whole. So in conclusion, the key issue to use in trying to evangelize Muslims is the issue of authority. What is the standard of authority for both? For Christians, it is the Bible. The New Testament penned by those who sacrificed willingly for no personal gain, just for their faith in Christ, versus the Quran, written by those who received much personal and societal gain as a result of what was written by them into the Quran. Christians need more familiarity with Islam in order to better understand world events and to be able to witness effectively to those of Islamic faith. Christians need to also be challenged by the zeal and dedication many Muslims have to Islam. We need Christians to be on fire for the true Lord and Savior of the world, just as many Muslims are for their false god Allah and their false prophet Muhammad. But we know zeal for your religion alone does not save you. A personal relationship with Christ is the only thing that does. You could pray Romans 10, 1-4 to God concerning Muslims as Paul did for Israel. Just substitute Islam for Israel in your prayer. Romans 10, 1-4 Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now let's reread that and just substitute Islam for Israel. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Islam or for Muslims is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for their God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Mm -hmm.